A couple things. Uh, we are, as uh, Cass and Tiffany mentioned, we are on the, just finished the first week of our three-week fast, and so um, we're dialing in, and we're we're turning things down so we can hear, we can assess, we can feel, we can know. I feel like God is calling the church into a place where devotion matters more than ever. Like how we connect with God in our daily rhythms matters more than ever. I'll never forget whenever uh, I was just 17 years old and I was trying to find my way in this Christian walk. And I'll never forget, I got a hold of some cassette tapes of the Bible on tape. Now, for those who don't know what a cassette tape is, it's something that you can unwind. Pretty, it's pretty fun to unwind, and you could pull out this string of tape that had all of this music or uh, books on tape, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, the, the person who was reading the Bible was a guy named James Earl Jones. That was the voice behind the scriptures. So whenever I hear Mufasa or or uh, you know, get, watch a Star Wars, and uh, you know, Luke, I am your father. Um, it's a special moment. It brings up spiritual moments for me. But it was those cassette tapes of getting alone with God, listening, going, I don't get that. Listening again, rewind, and just rewind. Listening again, leaning in, pressing, asking hard questions. Really, was the changing and the making of like my appetite for the things of God. I found this amazing light and refreshment, this appetite that God had given me for the word. And I really feel like this is the, this is the season for us to either find that appetite or to refine that appetite for the things of God. As Tiffany was saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Bible doesn't say taste and try the world and see that it's bad. It says taste and see that the Lord is good. Because once you taste of the Lord's goodness, nothing else compares. And so we're turning down the radio. When you get lost in a car, what do you do? You turn down the radio. You got to get your bearings. You got to get the distractions away. And this is a season of getting the distractions away, all the noise away, and really finding those places with God. And sometimes it means being really creative. It means sneaking away, <clears throat> finding a, a closet or a finding, uh, getting in a car and driving and just finding that moment with the Lord. There's a burning bush experience for all of us. There's a place in the cleft of the rock that's prepared for us with the Lord. And so again, as we lean in, I just believe that God is going to be speaking into the church in a supernatural way. My flesh and my appetite are under control of my soul. My soul is going to lead, not my flesh. It's under new management, amen? Charles and John Wesley, they'd fast two days a week and put their flesh under control and they said this, your food appetite is the strongest and most frequent appetite. So when we fast, we're breaking down so many norms, so many normal frequencies, so many muscle memories, and we really are in that, those moments able to reassess and reconnect in a, in a supernatural way, amen? And then also I wanna make a quick announcement that in the month of February after our fasting, we're gonna be launching a couple classes um, some will be in person, some will be online. Uh, for our church family, we'll also be hosting some events, some outdoor events, some hiking and getting together stuff so uh, we can see each other and, and be together. So 
Stay tuned this week. Um, check out the email that will be coming your way and you can find out some cool things to connect and maybe even reconnect. Some of us haven't seen each other in several months. So it's gonna be fun to see the body uh, in motion all through town. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna jump into a message today. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Two days ago, I had 30 pages of notes. <laughs> Yesterday morning, I was down to 20 pages of notes. Today, I'm down to seven pages of notes. All right, so I know there's some football games later and the dudes are like, oh my goodness, how am I gonna get out of here? I get it, I get it. Uh, the, the immensity and the gravity of this subject that I'm gonna embark to, to kind of share with you, it's not one that's really completely aligned with prayer and fasting theme, but it's one that's been in my heart all week long. I can't get away from it. And it precipitated because I was kind of going back to Daniel because I was going back to 21 days of prayer and fasting and this whole vegetarian thing, pushing the wine and the meat and this whole Daniel pushing some things away and this prayer for 21 days and, 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 and what happened and this battle in the spirit. And it just began to leap out. Now, one of the things about my nature, first, I'm a, I'm a five on the Enneagram, which means I, I'm, a, I'm an investigator. I like to know how things work. I wanna understand how things work. Uh, this week, Jude was asking for help with math. And so he's doing fractions. And so there's this thing, they call common math is, the, is this way that kids are learning. And so he's learning about fractions with these pictures. And I said, I said, son, hold on, hold on. Have you ever heard of cross multiply? And he's like, cross multiply? Never heard of cross multiply. And I said, well, let me show you how it works. And I showed him how it works. He's like, dad, you're a genius. And I was like, you bet I am. The next day he comes back and he said, hey, my teacher said I can't cross multiply. It's a, and I was like, I was like, son, do what you need to do to get the A, learn it their way, but I'm gonna tell you, the cross multiplication will get you so far in life, okay? <laughs> I, I like to know how things work. Um, you know, there's a, I've counseled a lot of people who are getting married and, and I've just said, hey, look, there's, there's some wisdom I gotta give you. This is the stuff you read in the book and this is the stuff you don't get in the book, right? Like when your wife says, hey, babe, my purse is in the car and I need you to go grab it. I've been cooking all afternoon. And you say, well, babe, I've been working all day, came home and straightened the garage. And then she says, I birthed three babies for you. <laughs> You'll never outdo that. There's nothing you can say that will trump a, hey, I birthed three babies for you. I just like to know how things work. All right. So Daniel chapter one, one through nine, we're gonna read um, nine verses here and we're gonna talk about Babylon and we're gonna talk about a spirit that's working in the world today. And I'm not trying to like create any frenzy. I'm not trying to create any superstition. I just want us to be aware of what is happening and why it's happening. I don't want the church believers to get duped by all the noise that's in our world today. There's so much noise going on. And there, people are confused about what to believe. And Babylon from Babel, the word Babel, its root means confusion. There's a spirit that is confusing the world and even confusing the church. So here we go. During the third year, the king of Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. Now, that word some is, is a very relative word because he took 5,000 pieces and articles from the temple. Now, this was something that Jeremiah, who lived in the same days as Daniel, he was 20 years older than Daniel, would say for, for a decade, if you don't shape up, if you don't remember your covenant with your God, Babylon is going to come and going to ransack, ransack this city. It will be destroyed. Not all, all of the stones will be toppled. They said, there's no way. This kingdom has reigned for, for now 14 generations. There's no way that that is going to happen. He warned him and warned him and warned him and warned him. And so finally, the king of Babylon comes, Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, look, let's make a deal. They didn't want to make a deal. They wanted to fight. And Jeremiah goes, don't fight them. This is God's judgment on you. You need to know that Babylon is here and you're going to be in exile. You're going to be, we're going to be taken to Babylon for 70 years. There's nothing you can do about it. They go, Jeremiah, you're a false prophet. They threw him in a pit. They beat him. Some people dragged him out to Egypt. It's a long, you gotta read Jeremiah. It's, it's amazing. He said exactly what would happen. And guess what? It happened. He's a prophet, okay? So Nebuchadnezzar comes. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia, Mesopotamia, and placed them in the treasure house of his gold. Then the king ordered Ephanaz, his chief of staff. Now, if some of you are gonna say you didn't pronounce that right, I give you permission. Anytime you see a word that you don't know how to pronounce in the Bible, you just say it the best that you can and you move on. To bring to that palace of some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives, select only strong, healthy, good-looking young men. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train them, uh, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food, of wine, and his own kitchens. Um, and they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah uh, were four of the young men who chose, all from the tribe of Judah. And the chief staff renamed them of these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Uh, Michelle was called uh, Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or as Veggie Tales calls it, Rakshak and Benny, if you've ever seen that. All right. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He was going to stay kosher. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. So the book of Daniel and the book of Jeremiah are both going to show us how to live, how to prosper in the context of Babylon. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, we won't read it. Starting at chapter 29, for four chapters, it is a, here's what you do. He sent this letter through Barak to Babylon, to the people in Babylon. This is how I want you to live. Here's how you're gonna prosper. Here's how you're gonna live when the spirit of Babylon is ruling and reigning in your land. So I wanna talk to the church about how we, number one, recognize Babylon 
And number two, how we are to live as believers when Babylon is reigning. Now you're going, what is Babylon? How's this work? I'm gonna do my best to share this in under 25 minutes. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We honor your word. Speak to us. Speak to us. Illuminate our minds, our hearts. God, help us to see and recognize this day, this age, this moment, these opportunities. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Quickly, I wanna... uh, tell you about a book I read this last year. It's called Tribe. It's a book about how there's an instinct in all of us to, to be connected to people, yada, yada, yada. Won't go into the entire book. There's a chapter, chapter seven, where it talked about Vietnam veterans who came back from Vietnam and how they weren't able to go from an idea, a culture of fighting and dying for America to being able to live in the America that you were willing to die in. It's a prolific and profound chapter in this book. And it got me thinking about transitions that happen and how our world is transitioning right before our eyes. Our Christian nation, America, is transitioning and there are Christians who do not know how to function, how to live, how to thrive in a, an America and in a world that is now secular and humanistic and not Christian and rooted in the values that you and I grew up in. There are things that we maybe took for granted, maybe things that we enjoyed about saying in God we trust or I pledge allegiance to the flag, one nation under God. And these things are slowly deteriorating right before us and we can feel it, we can sense it. There's a transition. It's a, it's a Daniel chapter one transition and we have to go, what is happening and what should be our response? What is happening and what should be our response? I feel like the response of the church in many ways is shooting in 500 different directions. And I feel like we as believers, and my heart is to only share with you God's word and his remedy. When, the, when, when God uh, allowed Babylon to come over uh, Israel and to siege it, besiege it, and then to take uh, the people, the Jews, and bring them into Babylon for the 70 years. It wasn't by accident. It was, a, it was a part of a picture that God was showing us. In fact, God gave us this because we, in the last days, according to the book of Revelation, chapter 17, 18, the spirit of Babylon would be ruling and reigning because Babylon is on a nation. Babylon is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit that influences leaders and peoples and groups and cultures. And if we're not careful, we'll think we're fighting people, but we're really fighting a spirit. We'll think that we're engaged in something that we're really not. And God wants the church to be aware of the times that we're in. In fact, one of the things that God was so upset about, and it's really interesting how God does it, because um, if, you, if, you, if you go tit for tats and you, and you, and, and you, and you go for the, the, the version of the law that you're going to have to pay for what you did... And that's exactly what happened here. 490 years they lived in Israel and they lived in that land and they did not keep the Sabbath. They did not rest the land every seven years. And so that's one of the many things. They had, they had covenants with other gods and they, they had idolatry and adultery and all these other things, but they also didn't keep the Sabbath. And, and one of the things they didn't do was allow the land to rest, to heal every seven years, let it replenish. So because the land was sick, the food was sick, 
and they were sick. And God says, I'm going to take all those years back. So 490 years, and you take one out of every seven, that's 70 years. 70 years, they're paying back what they stole over 490 years, which reminds me that God is a great accountant. And we have to understand that there are repercussions and there are actions and there are reactions to our decisions, not just in the personal, but in the, in the, in the, in the kingdom realm. There are actions and reactions that are happening today based on decisions that our forefathers and our, and our family members decided to do or not to do. And so we see these things coming and, and as Babel, as Babylon is, is rearing its head, now we're in a world where we're going, is the, is the dog wagging the tail or is the tail wagging the dog? And I have to ask the question, do you sense it? Do you feel it? Do you sh- feel the shifting tide like I do? Do you see that this echo chamber with social media and, 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 and news and news upon news is causing the world to have a babel confusion? And what does the church do in this moment? Let me tell you about a bridge I came across uh, just recently. It's called the Chalateca Bridge, River Bridge. It's in Honduras. And in 1996, this bridge was built. And the reason it's, uh, it's kind of famous, there's two reasons. One, it was, it was built by some of the best engineers in Japan. We'll throw the first picture up and you'll have it on your screen online. And this bridge is, uh, I mean, it was a, a bridge that was viable and it was created to be able to withstand the strongest hurricane. It doesn't matter if it's a, it's a category five, category six, category seven. It's going to be able to withstand whatever hurricane. Some of the best engineers in the world designed it. So a hurricane came in 1998. And this hurricane uh, was the Hurricane Mitch. And I want to show you the picture after the hurricane. Something interesting happened. The bridge is still standing, but the river has been moved. And I think this is an allegory to where we are today as a church and as believers, is there's been such a storm that the church is strong, but the game has been changed. The the storm has come, people have chosen their sides, people and families and churches have felt brokenness and dissension, heartache, and now we look and we go, are we even relative? Are we relevant to this moment? What do we do now after the storm? And I feel like if we don't address the moment we're in and understand how we're supposed to live, we will be just like this bridge that now call the bridge to nowhere. And so we live in a world where reality is bent. Jude this week asked, he said, Dad, I don't understand how Spider-Man can shoot a web onto a building that's glass and him not pull the glass out when he swings. And my simple response to him was, in a universe that's not real, where people get bit by uh, a spider and get spider powers, when you break one rule, you can begin to break many rules. 
And that is what we're living in now. A world without rules, a world where nothing surprises us anymore. Up is down, down is up, good is evil, evil is good. Tribalism is starting again. People have chosen their color, their creed, their ideas. And now we look into the future, and I don't know if you feel it, and we go, I don't know what the future is going to look like. A great transition is happening right before our eyes, and it's expeditious. It's not like, well, over the next 50 years, it's probably going to become more secular and humanistic and, you know, this naturalistic, scientific uh, uh, theism and deism. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's upon us. It's happening now. And the church has to understand and have an answer for it. They interviewed a bunch of kids bunch of teenagers, bunch of 10-year-olds. <laughs> they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you know what the, the number one answer was? Not just like, like the number one answer and you know, there was like 10,000 answers and 2% were this. It was like overwhelming. You know what it was? We want to be famous. See, I'm willing to bow my knee to, to, to this 90-foot idol of Nebuchadnezzar because really in my heart, I want an idol with my picture on it. And there's this cultural conflict that you and I are sensing. And we don't even know how to respond to it. I, I talked to some people, you know, believers, Christians. And, and take, let's, we gotta do something. We gotta get violent, gotta get angry. Get, get some, they're like, oh, well, I just kind of, let's just let's let it go. Let's just let's see what happens. And I find the church and I find the world pushing into two far, 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 far polar opposite ideas. And it's been creeping into the church. It's been creeping into the church the last 10 years. For instance, we have the idea that we should water down the Bible. And we have the idea that we should be a bunch of jerks. Get in people's faces. Two extreme ideas. Because when you're living in an alternate reality, you look for alternate resources. And when we look at the way that Daniel lived, he was able to live in the culture, not be of the culture. And he was able to influence the culture the right way. And I feel like God, at least for me, maybe this is just me just talking out loud about what God's speaking to my heart. And I'm probably gonna make 90% of Christendom mad about this because, we, no, we gotta, we gotta water it down, make it. And now we have created dumb dichotomies within the church, within the world. And within the church, we, like, you gotta choose. I mean, choose, choose your position on this, okay? What, what do you want me to choose? Well, I want you to choose. Are you going to be, um, are you going to be a discipleship church, or are you going to be a church that reaches the lost? That's a dumb dichotomy. I choose both. Well, are you free will or predestination? Dumb dichotomy. I'm both. Are we spirit led or well planned? Dumb dichotomy. We're both. 
It's like asking, do you like sleep or food? I like both. Let's not be dumb. Right? Do you pray in tongues or do you pray in English? I pray in both. Right? Because we're living in a tension right now where we think winning is putting people into boxes. And I'm okay with loving you with not understanding you. Because your soul is more important than your view. Because if I can get you to see Jesus, that's where life begins. I know this is going to be difficult, but I want to say that it's, it's hard to unring the bell. We're, we're going down a path. And I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but for the Promise Center, we, we want the wisdom and the spirit of Daniel. He had an excellent spirit, the Bible says. And what worries me is that in this last season, Christians have been more evangelical about their political ideas than their Christian ideas. We've shared conspiracies and not scriptures. We've substituted values for virtue signaling. And I don't care who's in office. You can go back 20 years, 50 years, Republican, Democrat, Republican... It's all a big train moving in the same direction to a secular world and a secular society and we want to protect our rights and the truth is we've got to get better at living in conditions that are not Christian because even when you're living in conditions that aren't Christian, you can still thrive. Daniel showed us how to thrive in cultures that were not honoring the Torah. In fact, God did more cool stuff in 70 years in Babylon than he did the previous 70 years of a backslidden Israel. So I just have faith for the future. And I'm not trying to escape realities. And I pray for our presidents. And I pray that the craziness that's going on would subdue. And I pray that the spirit of Christ would push back the spirit of Antichrist. I'm not saying we don't pray. I'm not saying we're not engaged. I'm not saying we don't vote. I'm not even saying we don't care. I'm just saying I'm a Christian before I'm an American. And before I post, I'm gonna pray. Because there's a great transition happening right before us. A Daniel 1 transition. So what is the spirit of, of, of Babylon? It's no coincidence that three things happen in the same locale, which is today common day Iraq, named by the British after the Great World War. But this was Mesopotamia. But this is the heart and the seat of the Euphrates. This is where Somewhere, somehow, in the spirit and the natural, don't know, somewhere the garden was in this vicinity. And there are three things that happen in this vicinity. First is the garden, a tree, then a tower, then a kingdom. And it shows us what Babylon is. Because the spirit of Babylon is in the book of Revelation. 
And at some point, the book of Revelation is going to come to pass. Babylon is not a nation. It's the spirit that's influencing nations. So what does it look like? It starts with a tree. It starts when humanity reaches for something that God said is not yours. That's Babel. That is Babylon. This doesn't belong to you. I want more. I want more. I want to have what God says I can't have. I want to live outside my boundary. And Satan challenges Eve at the point of the word of God. Did God really say? Did God really say? There's an attack. There's an onslaught. The spirit of Babel wants to attack first and foremost the authority of the scripture of God. Just know that. Just write that down. Write it down a hundred times. Write it down a thousand times so you get carpal tunnel and God will heal you. Keep writing it down. There's an onslaught. There's an attack of God's word and his authority. And we don't like it, but it is real. It's happening in China. They can't have Bibles. You know what they do? Each person in the congregation memorizes a chapter. And when we come together, we don't open the book. We open our hearts and share the word of God. Can you quote First uh, Peter chapter three? Yes, I can. And they begin to go. Right? And, 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 and so we're, we're living in a day, in an age, where things are being perverted and challenged. So the first thing is, did God really say? Did God really say? But you know, this week, actually, never thought of this before. This week as I'm studying, I want you to see this. Never, never preached this, never said this, never thought this before. In Genesis chapter two, the Bible says, the Lord God, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, Lord. Yahweh, which ultimately becomes Yahweh Shah, Yahweh is my salvation, Yahashua or Jesus, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord God made a garden. The Lord God told him not to eat. The Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. When Satan comes to Eve, you know what he says? Did God say? He never says Yahweh. And I think that there's a reason. I think because that spirit in that, this age, it doesn't mind the God part. It cares about the Yahweh part. Just don't get specific about your God. Let's not get specific about what you really believe. And this is where we start the challenge. Did God, did God, did God, did God really say it? And so now the next one, and I, again, I'm, I'm gonna hurry up as quick as I can, is Babel. And this is where we're gonna reach for something. We're gonna, we're gonna take all we can. We're gonna take heaven. We're gonna organize. This is where the spirit of humanism, we got this. This is where secular humanism was birthed. The human power of us together. And can I just tell you that, that people united that are evil, are more powerful than a divided believer. That's why the believer has to be united. We have to be in one mind, one accord. That's when the Holy Spirit falls. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And so here we go. We're building something. We're building something. We're gonna reach the heavens. We don't need God. God kicked us out of paradise. So we're gonna build paradise and kick God out of our paradise. This is Babel. This is the spirit. Babel or Babylon is not a place, it's not a nation, it's a spirit, and it controls leaders. Revelation chapter 17, one through six. One of these seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters with her, with 
her, the kings of the earth, committed adultery in the inhabitants of the earth who were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on the scarlet beast that was covered with, blas- uh, with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She had a gold cup in her hand filled with an abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. And the name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony of Jesus. This is that spirit. You see, the angels that are behind this spirit were once in the presence of God. They left the presence of God. They started there and left. The book of Jude is a book of those who depart from all of this inheritance. They hate God. In fact, they hate him so much that their plan is always to create a counterfeit to whatever God puts in the earth. So when he brings comfort to the Holy Spirit, Satan brings false comforts. His spirit comes in the earth. Guess what? He births a bride. Babel or Babylon, you know what he births? A prostitute. A bride is covenant. It's virtuous. A prostitute is alluring and seductive. It's the antithesis of the church. The battle is not for education. The battle is anti-Christ. It's anti-Christ. And so I've given you a lot of bad news. You're like, okay, we get it. I need some good news. God, his word is truth. And he's scheming to bless us. Truth. Babylon is evil, scheming to control, indoctrinate, subjugate. God has a bride, love, covenant, valuable, commitment. Babylon has a whore, prostitute, pleasure, seduction, cheap commitment. God's good news touches every heart, home, family, marriage, children, culture. Babylon is an indoctrination of an anti-God, anti-Christ of hearts, homes, families, marriages, children, culture that celebrates Christ not being there. God gave us Christ for redemption. Babylon will ultimately give the Antichrist for rebellion. God's kingdom is love, peace, and joy. And Babylon is the antithesis. It's hate, it's evil, and it's greed. Babylon will either besiege you or bewitch you. And what Babylon wants to do is change your identity. So the first thing they did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the first thing they did with Daniel and Hananiah and Michelle and Azariah was change their names. We want you to sound like us, be called like us. In fact, let me tell you what Daniel's name means, his Hebrew name. God is my judge. Let me tell you what his Babylonian name was. Belteshazzar. Lady, protect the king. We're going to feminize you. We're going to change your identity. Lady, can you protect the king? Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. 
Your name will be Shamrock. I am fearful of God. Michelle means who is like God. But Meshach is I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Azariah is Yahweh has helped. And Abednego is servant of Nebo. Sounds like a planet from Star Wars. It's the reallocation of identity. Your identity is connected to this system. Your identity is connected to our agenda. So, while we are demonizing parties and we are idolizing other parties or vice versa, the spirit of Babylon is slipping in. We don't even realize it. I love what Leonard uh, Ravenhill said. He said, the early church was married to poverty, prisons, and persecutions. Today, the church, the American church, is married to prosperity, personality, and popularity. Jeremiah, in chapter 17, as he's warning these exiles, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your trust in no man or woman. When you are in Babel, you're going to have to put your trust fully in the Lord. You know what I've been asking people the last week and a half? Hey, you gotta, you gotta hear this. You gotta tell me. Let me tell you what's happening. Did God, what, what did God tell you? I wanna know what the Lord is speaking into your heart. Because this is the season where we have to be so discernful of what is true and what is right. I'm always reminded of the second battle. The wren bird, two wren birds will fight over territory and one will kill the other and the other one will be depleted. The winner's like tired. It's like the end of a UFC fight. Guy's just like barely made it. But then there's a third wren bird. And while we're fighting each other, there's a spirit that's coming to a weak nation and a weak church. And the church has to have the spirit of Daniel that understands how to function and walk in victory in the most difficult seasons. Again, I could be wrong. Maybe next week, maybe in two years, maybe in four years, maybe in a decade. Everything is wonderful. Rainbows and Skittles falling from the sky and everyone apologizes and Maybe that, maybe that happens. But I'd rather know what to do and how to live in Babylon and not need it than need it and not know it. Right? I've graduated from the University of YouTube on many, many doctorates. One is how to survive a bear attack. My wife can attest to all of this. A pit bull attack, a mountain lion attack, a shark attack, and even a panic attack. I can survive many... Many attacks, because I'd rather know it and not need it than need it and not know it. Amen? So, here's the pro tip. You ever had a pro tip from somebody? I've had a couple pro tips where people are like super great in, in what they do, and you're just like, That'll, that'll change me forever. You know, you have someone, you play golf and someone who shoots a, a 98, tries to fix your swing. You're like, thank you. 
But someone who's a scratch golfer is like, hey, look, you, you need to keep that elbow in when you come through. You need to collapse on the ball and compress. You're like, I, I can tell you know what you're talking about. It's a pro tip. I'll never forget, we were at my in-law's church several years ago and we were visiting for a, an anniversary or something. And there's this gentleman that goes there who's a, he's, he, he, he serves and volunteers at the church kind of as a, a, a janitor, um, changes light bulbs and does a few things and he loves it. He's a janitor, who's, like he serves um, for one of the big tech companies. So he just loves like, this is, this is my church. I'm gonna... And I saw a light bulb that was out and, I, and we were talking and I said, there's a light bulb out. And he goes, I know, I'm about to change it, but I'm gonna do it when everyone's gone. I was like, well, I can help you. He's like, no, no, I'm gonna be here all day. I was like, why? He's like, oh, because when one goes out, I change them all. I go, well, why? He goes, because I put them all in the same time. So when that one goes out, I know they're all about to go out. I was like, you're a genius. <laughs> it's just a pro tip. And, and da- the book of Daniel is the pro tip. Book of Jeremiah 29, we all quote it, right? We quote, this, we quote, quote Jeremiah 29, but it's the context of living in Babylon. I want you to have homes. I want you to marry. I want you to prosper where you're planted. This is pro tips. Don't don't trust the false prophets. You need to trust alone in God. Pray and seek for the peace of your city. Oh, I get it now. Pro tip. Thank you. So here's the pro tips. You ready? I'm gonna give you a couple of them really quickly. Number one, Daniel, you you can write these down if you want. There's gonna be five of these. Number one, Daniel kept his personal relationship with God, his devotion, the center The center of his life was his personal devotion with God. He stayed committed in his covenant. You can't pray. I'm praying. Conflict of interest. You will not stop me from praying. I will pray in my home. I will not make a fuss. I'm not going to virtue signal. I'm not going to get online and complain. But I'm going to keep doing what I know God has called me to do. And every time the spirit challenged him, throws him into a lion's den, mind you, he's 85 at this time, okay? We always see like a young Daniel, hip, he got, he's got some fresh shoes. Like he's, he's got a cane, you know, he's, like he, he's an older man now. He served 70 years under four kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and then, and then Cyrus, four kings. And every time God just kept elevating him because he stayed true to his devotion to his God. He didn't have to change his beliefs. He didn't change what his his personal life was, but God just kept raising him up. Number two, Daniel showed honor. He knew how to walk in wisdom. He knew how to to walk in a room. He learned their language. He learned their astrology. He learned their lingo. He learned it because God needed him to know how to walk in the highest levels. There's a place for believers, men and women of God on every level of society, on all the seven hills of our world, in entertainment, to politics, to business, everywhere. I'm gonna tell you, there's a place God wants to put 
his people who are walking in wisdom. Number three, Daniel decided to prosper where he was planted. Like I said, Jeremiah 29 says, prosper. I want you to go in there and prosper. Now, we, we live in, a, in, in an era right now where um, it's called a destination addiction. We are preoccupied with the idea that happiness is the next place, the next job, the next partner. And until you give up that idea, you will never find true joy and happiness. Well, I'm, I'm gonna leave here and go there because there's gotta be better. It's, I'm sure it's better. And what you're gonna, I'm just telling you, the spirit of Babel, spirit of Babylon, it's encroaching and it's moving. And, and your, your best chance, if you really wanna be successful, you're gonna have to get in the cave, find a cave somewhere, bury your family deep in the earth and hide away. And a hundred years from now, people will find your bones and be like, oh my goodness, look at the hieroglyphics, beautiful. Just that, what a waste of talent. Just did all that art on the wall. I'm gonna tell you, you can't run from it, but you can prosper in it. Amen? Jesus made this crazy prayer. Father, I pray that you don't take them out of this crazy world. Leave them in. Leave them in the dysfunction. Leave them in the chaos. Why? Because they're the best chance that the world has to see the light and the glory of God. I love the story of the, the dad and the daughter and the daughter was going through some hard times and the dad said, there are three responses to hard times. So he took it in the kitchen, put three pots of water and the first one he put carrots, the, first one, the next second one he put um, eggs and the third one he put coffee grounds. And so they waited, they waited. So they were done. They poured the water out, poured the water. He goes, okay, what do you see? Well, the carrots got soft, yep. The eggs got hard, yep. But the coffee changed the water. So what do you want to be? You want difficulty to make you hard, make you soft, or change the environment? You get to decide. Don't you love it when coffee wins in a story like that? Yeah. Coffee. You know, Babel, Babylon, is a confusing spirit. Confuses people. And there are people today that are internally scared and worried and confused. I just want to tell you, there's a, there's a rock that you can plant your life on you're listening, wherever you are, I just want to promise you, like Christ is a sure foundation. Number four, Daniel trusted God for everything he would need. I love this passage. I hope you love it too. For Second Peter chapter one and three, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We need a miracle. The miracle's in the house. I'm under-resourced. That doesn't matter. God multiplies things. We only have a little bit of fish and a few loaves. That's okay. I don't need more. I just need what you have. You have everything you need. We've run out of wine. What do we do? Uh, what do we have in the house? Should we go buy wine? Should we go, should we go plant a vineyard? What do we have? We have dirty water. That's all we have. God has given us everything we need. Give me the dirty water. You pour it out into that rich man, the governor's cup. Me? Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure. Can you imagine being that guy? <laughs> Off with his head. If this, doesn't go, if this doesn't turn out to be a miracle. Jesus has not done any miracles at this point. This is the first one. 
It's like the guy who's like, hey, someone try those berries. Let us know if they're poisonous or not. (laughs) The miracle, the resource is right in front of us. Everything we need to succeed has already been paid for. And number five, Daniel prayed and fasted. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of fasting. And as I was reading this Daniel this week, I was reminded that when the angel comes, Gabriel comes, he was released on the first day of the 21-day fast. But it took 21 days of not giving up. In fact, the angel said, thank you for continuing because I would have had to go back. It wasn't that there wasn't access or it wasn't that, that it was, wasn't released. It was that there was no access. You kept praying, you kept fasting and there was a breakthrough. I needed Michael to come. Michael came and did some battling for me. You ever have that bigger brother? He's like, hey, can you help me? There was one kid in school. We didn't mess with him. Not because he was tough because his older brother was tough. Come down, push through, breakthrough. Can I just tell you, there are breakthroughs that come in Babylon, but they only come through prayer and fasting. Not because you're louder, smarter, cooler, hipper, more woke. It's because we know how to pray, we know how to fast, and we know how to touch heaven. The, all the things that we used to just enjoy and we got away with, there's a season changing where we don't get away with those things anymore. We gotta be wiser, more humble, more honoring, because this is the season of the great challenge. A reset is happening in our world. And the church is called to shine bright. Shine bright. Let me pray for us. Right where you are, bow your head, close your eyes, please. Heavenly Father, I honor you. Every person that has heard this word, either right now live or listening in days or weeks or months or years to come. I pray that there be a supernatural wisdom that rests upon each of them. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now would overshadow your people so they can be bold and courageous, but also humble and wise. The gift of Daniel there's Daniels in this room. There's Daniels watching online. There's Daniels that are, that are being formed for the future. God, I just believe in this, during this great shift that there's a people. There's a remnant. There's Esther's and there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. There's Daniels. They say, we will not bow to those idols. Well, we'll throw you in the fire. It doesn't matter. If God delivers us great. If he doesn't, Fine. Belshazzar, Darius, they're going to see. They're going to see that fourth man. They're going to see the son of God. Because in a corrupt culture, we did not become corrupt. In an angry culture, we did not become angry. In an evil culture, we chose to love, stay humble, prayerful, honoring God, honoring his word, honoring his truth. I pray for every believer, Lord. God, bring unity to the church. Bring unity to the church. The dumb dichotomies that are splitting the church, your body. We need the church to be one 
in this hour. Not divided over preference or style. You said you came and you tore down walls. He, wore, he tore down the walls of perdition. He tore down the walls that divided Gentile and Jew. God, if you can do it for Gentile and Jew, you can do it for Baptist and Pentecostal. You can do it for non-denomination and Presbyterian. You can do it. You can tear down the walls so Christ can be glorified. This is the season the church rises up in virtue and values, honor and integrity. We're not giving up. We're not giving in. We're your people called by your name. I declare it. I declare it. One church, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above us all and in us all and through us all. Call us back, Lord. Call us up. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for the sinner, for the prodigal, for those who are far from you right now, as they open their hearts and they call out Yahweh Shah, Yahashua, Jesus, Yahweh has become my salvation. You have become man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Very God, very man, walking in time and space, looking at you, searching, calling you out of your tomb, out of your death. We receive that life that comes through Christ, the living word, the rhema word. So right now we confess our sins and we say yes to the goodness of God. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. I accept it. I receive the free gift to be forgiven of all of my sins. I ask it. I ask it and I believe it and I receive it in the name of Jesus. I'll never be the same. And the church say amen. Amen. Hey, I know there's hearts and souls that are out there that said yes to following Jesus. We have a book called Following Jesus. Prayer, worship, the Bible, water, baptism, Holy Spirit, the church, sharing your faith, loving people is all in here. Just a guide to get you started on your journey. We want to give you a guide, something in your hands so you can see some of the basics that Christ has for you. It's just, it's just the beginning of the buffet. It's the first course of many more courses to come in this meal, in this feast of following Jesus. Amen. We love our church family. And we're going to close in just a moment. But I wonder if we can worship again, hearts lifted, and just receive and ask, Lord, the spirit of Daniel, let me be free. Let me know how to walk in wisdom with an excellent spirit. Worship with us as we sing.